Hello, Silvertown. Welcome to the Silvertown podcast. Let's jump on that silver train and ride right into the incredible, wonderful world of sobriety. And today we're just going to get right to it. Today we have Erica Spiegelman. Hello, Erica. Hi, I'm so happy to be here today. And I love your intro. That's fabulous. <laughs> I just made that up one day. I like it. I like it. Man, there's there was no way to get over this really quick. You've done so much since you've gotten sober. You're an author. You're an addiction and wellness specialist. You're a counselor. You're a motivational speaker. You've left an indelible mark in the field of addiction and recovery. You're into multimedia health and wellness platform. You provide consulting and counseling solutions for clients by providing them with tools on how to research emotional, mental, and physical freedom and it goes on and on and on. In 2015, you published Rewired. 2017, you published Rewired Workbook. Uh, and also, you published a coloring book. Uh-huh. How incredible is that? That is so cool. Yeah. And then 2018, for the, I guess you can say the normal people, yeah. you published Rewired Life yeah. and Rewired Workbook. Right. And I just ordered that for my wife this morning because I'm like, I know I'm going to be sending them to you and, and signing them. Yeah, I'm excited. Cool. And you can get them off your website, www.ericaspiegelman.com. And you can get the signed version from there, which I was like, OK, because right. I had it on Amazon to order. Yeah. Then I canceled Amazon and went right to you. Oh, that's good. Yeah. So let's go right to you started off. Uh, you were an alcoholic and got sober, right? Why don't we yeah. start there? OK. Yeah, um, I started drinking at 13 years old. Um, yeah, 13 years old, drinking, you know, exposed to alcohol my whole life. My dad is a big drinker and, um, you know, we obviously was not problematic until later on in life. But even in my teenage years, I knew I liked it. You know, I knew that it was something. And then, you know, I, I was very much into the rave scene in high school. There was drugs involved in that, you know, ecstasy and speed and all of that. So yes, there's been, you know, moments of my life where um, different phases have gone on, but regardless, alcohol was there along the way. And then in college, I went to a, a college, University of Arizona, where I actually majored in literature, which is kind of how I started writing, but um, everything comes full circle in life, I believe. But um yeah, and then, and then and then in college became very you know problematic, frequent every single day, and, and to the point where I you know after I graduated college, I I was shaking like day to day, you know. And then in my early twenties, um, I moved to New York. I moved to I was in Los Angeles for a little bit. Then I moved to New York, um, and it was a very dark and lonely time. Um, and drinking was just that's it. That was the priority. That was the, the only thing pretty much every day. Um, and the focus, you know, and, and, and internally, I just didn't feel well when I wasn't. And then I was anxious and the shame spiraling and that, all of that. And then I moved back to San Francisco where I'm from. And that was kind of the end, the end of it all where I finally well, got help. I, I saw that you're talking to Judah because you also do like clean radio. You're a co-silver host of clean radio i did yeah clean radio is no longer on but um i did it for many years yeah that's too bad because that's so cool and you can see it on find it on youtube find you on youtube there too but you said you isolated a lot you were wearing masks and you were spiritless yeah 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 i mean i think 
you know, in my book, Rewired in the beginning, when I was, I, I briefly talk about myself. It's not a whole autobiography by any means, Rewired. Um, but, you know, I think I learned to wear masks at a young age due to watching the adults around me, you know, what they wanted to see. And I, I felt like having negative emotion, my parents divorced when I was very young, having kind of negative emotion wasn't welcomed. I had to put on a kind of a happy face all the time, even when I was feeling internally very depressed and sad and confused and um, angry, even frustrated with, with what was going on. No one checked in with me. There was no emotional attunement. You know, there was no like, let's sit down and ask Erica how she's feeling. It was just, let's go put on a smile. And, you know, so again, I, I just learned how to put on these masks at a young age and reflecting back on that when I got sober, I realized, wow, through all the parts of my life, I kind of morphed into whoever was around me and, and wanted me to be what I, you know, they wanted me to be or what, what kind of emotion that they were looking for, you know, instead of what I was truly feeling or, you know, who I truly was. So honoring myself now is very important. And I think for everybody speaking your truth, trying to tap into who you really are, you know, people don't like that, then, then that's too bad, you know? So back then, cause you say spiritualist too, did yes, you sure. really know that you were like disconnected back then? Oh, for sure, for sure. I mean, I felt like I was very, uh, a spiritually connected person my whole life. I journaled my whole life, literally since I was a little girl, like I, was very reflective in most of my life. Um, and I think when you're reflective, you kind of feel like there's something more than just you. You know, I felt connected to nature when I was younger, music and I had hobbies and writing and, and you know, I did acting and musical theater and dancing for a long time. And I had, you know, a desire always to cook dinners and do things. And then when I was in my active addiction, everything was gone. Every little thing that I enjoyed was out the door. I was gone. I was too tired. I was too hungover. I was too uh, embarrassed. I was living like, you know, like a hermit kind of for a long time. Um, so yeah, the spiritlessness was, you know, very palpable. Like it, I felt like my spirit was deadened by, by the addiction. And then everything that you were doing back in there, those times, uh, you were like hiding that you were drinking. You were going like yeah. to different bars and. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I was hiding a lot. I mean, I, I was just, I think about it sometimes even when like, I, I mean, it's been 14, almost 15 years. I, I like, you know, I'm doing something normal and I'll like, I'll get like this flashback of being in like this dark bar in San Francisco, like hiding in like this weird neighborhood, you know, where literally nobody I know would probably find me. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely hit it. I hit it because a lot of people know you in San Francisco, right? I mean, that's yeah, your I mean, yeah. I have a big family, and I'm a fourth generation San Franciscan, so you know, you it's not a big city. And my dad lived there at the time, and I had family that lived there, so yeah, I was definitely hiding out. But you know, San Francisco has so many just really gritty spots, and it's it's cool. I mean, it's I mean, I I, I adore the city. It's, it will always be in my heart. Um, but it was a really hard place to be when you're an alcoholic because there's a lot of alcoholism. There's a lot of drug addiction in that city. Um, mental illness. Yeah. So when you're in this dark uh, place, was you waking up having to drink where you yeah. couldn't stop? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I was shaking. I mean, I kept the wine was for uh, the wine or the beer. I mean, I remember one morning I had red wine in like a plastic cup. There was like a fly floating in it and I still drank it in the morning, you know, like it <laughs> was from the night before, you know, I just remember being in San Francisco one morning, it was like 9am and, and 
you know, there's drugs all over the place. And there was, you know, I, I like went outside to have a cigarette. I don't smoke anymore. Thank God. But I was shaking like this, like a nine. It was, I just woke up and I had to pour a drink and I'm, you know, 25 years old. It's like, is this like, what the fuck is going on? And I said to, I said, please God, I, I, I don't know how to get out. I don't know how to get out, but I want to get out. And I, and I did, I said that to myself. And I remember that morning, like so vividly, like I tell my clients this, that's my memory of, of just like the, the most in, for an internal bottom. That's what that was. It was an internal bottom. And I remember just that morning as clear as day right now, as we sit and talk, because I have revisited it all the time because it, it keeps me sober. It keeps me on this path. Um, because I know even if I could talk myself into, oh, it's 14 years, it's 15 years, you're fine, blah, blah, blah. I don't want to even chance it if I could go back to that moment again, you know? So was that moment at home? When- that was at my, at my home at the time, yeah, at my home at the time. So were you, so that's where you were waking up. I mean, you're one of us. I mean, look, yeah. you, you've been cussed. It's like, I told one of my friends, because when I saw you guys and I came on that, that Zoom with you guys, and I was like, oh shit, I'm on here with all these counselors. What the hell am I doing? You know, a yeah, guy from yeah. my past. I mean, but um, all of us woke up with that guilt, the shame, the remorse and wanting to die. And you were waking up like that too, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think the self-betrayal was so like palpable. I, I, I could feel it like every day, like it was so heavy on my heart, like that I'm, I was ruining my life. Like I was throwing my life away, you know, that kind of self-betrayal. And that to me was. Wow. That's cool that you use that word self-betrayal. Cause yeah. That, yeah, that's powerful. That's strong. Yeah. I'm going to write that down. And so that's, is that morning your day zero? Is that the day like your life turned around? Well, I don't think it turned around quite then, but I think it definitely was a moment of like acknowledgement. You know, even people say if you um, say something out loud in a sense, it makes it more real. And so I think that that was the moment I had actually prayed to God for something to change. Um, and then after that, it was a series of, I think, probably weeks or months of trying to figure out how to stop. I negotiated it. I tried. My mom was really on me at the time. Um so you went through a lot of resets yeah at that time i i didn't know how to get help i mean back then it was you know 15 years rehabs i mean i didn't know where to go i didn't think there wasn't like a world like there is now where there's sober livings everywhere and rehabs everywhere and you know it's much more common now but i think 15 years ago it wasn't as but even even back then i mean the resources were only so much you had the 12-step program and yeah i don't know much what outside of that right so you you really I'm not knocking AA or 12 steps or nothing, but that just didn't fit you back then, right? Did, yeah, I mean, I went, yeah. so I went to, I went to a, a rehab. I mean, I, I went into inpatient at Betty Ford for 30 days. And then I went to um, a sober living for just a short period of time right after that. It was, it was part of the Betty Ford. It was in Palm Springs, um, but that was it. And after I left, you know, I was probably at that point sober for like 50 days, 45, 50 days of, of being in a, in a facility ish type of place where I was in a, you know, a safe place. And then after I, I went on my own and I moved back to LA and I got my own apartment with someone I found on Craigslist. She was, I made sure she was a healthy woman. She was a dentist and I knew she wasn't like a partier. I, I told her I wasn't, I don't drink and I don't, you know, party and I don't want to, I don't want to have that environment. So I was pretty clear. And then after that, I like, you know, 
AA just didn't resonate with me. I tried going to some meetings early on. I just, I didn't want to stand up to me and say I'm an alcoholic every day when at that point I was trying to be more positive with my language and I was running and I was back to school at UCLA to get my degree. And I was learning about all, of, all of this stuff, you know, and so uh, this drove you through your search to get sober all of a sudden you decided you wanted to become a drug and alcohol counselor then somewhere there. Yeah, well, when I was in treatment, so I'd always, I'd always enjoyed therapy. Like even when I was debating in college, like what to do with my life, I, I liked psychotherapy. I've always found, I, I was always like the person that kind of people came to for problem solving and just my whole life. Um, and then this old man who I swear was like, maybe even an angel there. I, I swear it was like, he was on this campus and he said, you're going to help people in the next part of your life. He said it to me and I was, it was in treatment at the time. And I said, yeah, I am. I am. I could see it. And, I, and it was like very, as clear as like a message could be to me. And the spoken word, huh? <laughs> it was like a spoken word. But, you know, after that, I, I got a job at Paramount Pictures and I was working at, on like the TV industry doing some, you know, assistant work right after I got out, got out, moved to LA. And I realized very quickly, I found the program at UCLA, but I had to wait a little bit. So I, I worked and I said, this is not for me. I'm going back to school. So, yeah. So you're going back to school. You're not seeing a lot of um, options for you that are out there. Right, right. And then in, the, in, your, in your journaling, I guess, at this time um, yeah. and digging deep, it sounds like too, you're digging deep. Yeah, yeah. I, I created a program for myself. So I created a routine. So when I got, when I left and I was, you know, I kind of stopped trying the AA path, I, I, I started writing down kind of like a routine. So I, I went to bed every night at like, you know, later than 10 o'clock. I got up like at 6.30, 7 o'clock, you know, and then I would, I put my shoes by my bed with my, you know, running shorts and my t-shirt and my earphones and I got everything ready. And every morning, which I'm telling you, I didn't move before. Like this was all new. I got up, got dressed, went for a run or I went for a walk or I went for a jog, like whatever it was, it was to, to like this one point where there's a coffee shop and I ran back and then I'd have a big breakfast and I would, you know, that was my treat. It was like making a warm breakfast, having coffee. And then I'd go back to school or I would go to work. And then I, you know, started to like paint. I bought like paints at the local Blix like art store. And I would start going, you know, every day and getting freshed up in the farmer's market and trying to cook for myself and taking a bath and, you know, getting to bed early and watching movies and reading and, and writing. And I just, it was solitude. It was healthy solitude. Or and like I'd go wander off to Santa Monica beach on Saturdays and walk down and sit and have a juice and lay on the beach by myself, got to know myself, got to know my thoughts, you know, and that, routine I was so consistent with to the point where my family would make fun of me and be like well she can't go to dinner at eight you know she has to eat at six and she has to be in bed by nine and I said but you know what this is and I, I would get so frustrated I cried once because my mom everyone was making fun of me and I said this is life or death for me like this is life or death like this is what's helping me live my life and I feel so proud of myself and I'm so grateful that I am out of that fucking hole so just go with it like don't make fun of me and don't give me a hard time for it like you know be supportive and you know and acknowledge the fact that I have the courage to actually change my life you know and like the courage to say to people this is what's working for me. Like be supportive, you know, cause I would get frustrated with people cause they'd be like, Oh, well, you know, Erica, she's, and I'm like, and then, you know, what someone said to me once in my family, I remember I was at a, like a dinner and they're like, you know, Mrs. Spiritual. And I go, I was, I started crying out of happiness. So I was like, that's what they see me as now. All right. Boom. You know? Oh my God. I went from seeing myself as this, like, you know, 
piece of shit, like never going to do anything now and in and, and, and this hole and I can't get out and I don't know what happened to me to now like they're calling me a healthy spiritual woman. Wow. And I mean, I broke down in tears because I, I, my, I like my identity had shifted, you know, and, right. and how people saw me shifted, which was like, wow, well now I'm really going to keep going on this path, you know? And so all, this is why I say to my clients, like positive regard, like the more you can do in terms of action for yourself in positive direction, the more it's like a domino effect. It'll go and you'll keep falling in that direction. You know, when you just started out with this though, I mean, when you first started this routine, you did, it just didn't happen. You, there were days you were like, Oh shit, I don't want to do this. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, there were definitely days where I was like tired and, you know, but again, you know, I think part of that was also learning like, Hey Erica, if you're tired, honor that, like, just be, you know, it took me a long time to just be, I think with alcohol and drugs too, like cocaine, you know, I think just, you never want to like, when you're using all that for so long, you never want to let yourself just be because you want to like control, I need to have energy, I need to feel up, I don't want to be tired. And, you know, so I had to learn to just surrender too. surrender and just, if you're tired, be tired. Like, there's a lot of power in surrendering to that. So there were days when you didn't follow your routine, what you were tired, and you relaxed too. Sometimes, yes, but I but I really did push myself. <laughs> okay, yeah, like, very you look rare. like you would after everything that I see that you've done. I'm like, I, I keep look, I was researching, I'm like, shit, how are we going to open up with this with everything that she's done? Uh, you know? yeah. And because you're just incredible, and uh, that's what I want people to know, Erica, because you went from that dark, dark moment to doing a lot of soul searching yeah. to where you turned around and started educating yourself to be a counselor yeah. and then you've written books and everything else from there. Yeah. Yeah. It's just amazing. Thank you. But anybody can do this, what you've anyone. done. Right. right. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's, that's the key is anyone can do this. You know, I, I think that was the b- biggest freedom. And I think thing, a light bulb moment I learned was we can create any life we want to create, you know, and I, that word, you know, I say this in my book, authenticity, what that means is in Latin is the author of your own life. That's what the word means. So think about it. It's like you, you, you are the author. You can create any story you want. You know, I could choose right now. That word choice is very powerful. I tell my clients all the time. It's not like I can't drink. I choose not to drink. It's not like I can't do this. I choose not to do that, you know, cause it's more empowering to come from a place of choice. And I, you know, for me too, I could choose to go to the store and buy alcohol right now and drink like, or I could choose to continue on my day and talk to you and talk to my clients and take care of my kids and you know, whatever, I, but these are all choices. So no one's forcing me to do anything. Right. And so again, I think for a long time, and maybe you, you could maybe relate to this too. It's like, we're acting out to, you know, act out, act out against the system or our parents or fuck these people or, you know, our, or maybe you, identify, everybody was my right, attitude. Right. Or you decided, you know, this is my identity. This is my path. This is how people see me. And I'm just going to prove it because it feels more comfortable. You think, you think I'm a, a criminal, then I'm a criminal. If you think I'm a drug addict then I'm a drug addict, like, you know, I'll play the role. You know, if everyone thinks that's what I am easier just to be that, you know, it's like a subconscious way of living, but People live like that, you know? So you come to this day, you're, you're educating yourself. Was there a light bulb moment? Like when you realized that you could rewire your brain? Yeah, I think so. I think, I think within that first year of the routine I was telling you about, I, 
you know, really felt like my brain, I think, you know, walking even, you know, someone asked me once where they could bring a bottle of wine to, to a birthday party. And I go, I have no idea where the wine stores are. You know, I have like no idea where the liquor stores are. I mean, that to me was like, right. I'm rewired. Like, you know, I don't even notice them anymore. I mean, that's really powerful. When I used to know what time they opened, who ran them, you know, you know, everything. Did you go to different ones so they didn't know you were drinking so much? Of course. <laughs> Of course. Me <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, for sure. For so sure. you say, I'm trying to make this fast because you got to go get your kids. Okay, yeah. But you say that you got to this point where all of a sudden you notice that you're communicating with others uh, better once you started getting sober. Yeah. I think learning, um, I learned about boundaries at the time during that time. Um, and setting boundaries with people, my family that I needed to. In fact, that's like the first module in your workbook is boundaries. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think they're really important. I mean, um, you know, communication is key. You, you know, I had to identify when people trigger me, like my dad, if he'd raise his voice, I, I had to talk to him about, Hey dad, if you want to communicate or talk to me, your burst of anger, are not going to work anymore. Like I'm not going to have this negative energy in my life. Like I don't want, you know, this unnecessary for me to be triggered by that, you know? And so I'd explain to people, my family, um, I think for myself, learning how to be more assertive not letting, not being passive or too aggressive, you know, just kind of being in the middle ground of only I can take care of myself. Only I could speak my truth. And like that, that to me was important to communicate to people. Um, so yeah, I think that's super important. So all of a sudden you see yourself that you're healing your mind, your body, your soul. Yeah. And that had to be a really, really like cool moment when you realize that. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was, you know, I think that I, I told you this a little bit before, but I, you know, I practice this like moment of gratitude every day after my run, I would like sit down or I'd be walking and I would go over, you know, thank you God for my, my, my health, my sobriety for getting me out of that dark hole. I mean, I could still drop in there right now because I practice it. It was almost like a meditation every day, you know? And so once you meditate like that, or you have a practice like that, I think you could really drop in at any point in time, just to, to, like the depth of gratitude I still feel. And I felt every day since. So I think that those moments I'm like, I'm truly healed. You know, like I truly, I am truly, I mean, I, I'm almost still in shock some days, like my actual like physical body that I'm healthy. Like I, I still pause and I'm like, wow, I can, I could go, you know, walk four miles or run like that to me is still, I'm still amazed by that. That still hasn't even sunk in, you know? Well, listening to you, I, I haven't been exercising until lately, but I've got uh, 12 miles in four days. <laughs> so I started just like walking. Okay. I'm just going to do it. I don't want to friggin' do it. Yeah. I'm just going to do it. Keep pushing yourself, get everything all set by the door and just go. You say that you found yourself living on another plane of consciousness mm -hmm. is that when you rewire your brain was like wow yeah like a wow moment or what yeah it was like a wow moment I mean I think like a different consciousness is like just having you know self-love and self self-compassion I think to me that was really big too was like I, I had I had not really been proud of myself you know and, and then all of a sudden I was proud of myself and I was trying to use like loving compassionate self-talk like in my own head like come on erica you could do it you, you can get up and walk you can do one more block you, you know or 
like so good. You're in bed, you washed your hair, you washed your face. Like, I mean, these little wins that I, I didn't do before, you know, you brush your teeth, you're in bed. That's so good. You know, like how many nights did I like wake up with my makeup on and not brushing my teeth and my clothes still on from the night before? I mean, thousands, thousands of times. So this is, was really like, you know, I think building self-love. You talked yourself through this because at that time you didn't have a lot of other people talking you through it, but you talked yourself through this. I did. I did. You know, and I'm not saying everybody has that kind of, um, that that's maybe that's not for them. And they, there are more people that need more community or that need more support. And not to say I didn't have support. My family was very support, supportive and loving, and they checked on me all the time, but I really got to know myself. That's why there are some people that I know that um, they don't have that support around them. And I just want them to know that they can, they can support themselves too, as they go and look at you, eventually that support, uh, you have that support now. So eventually it comes around. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I, I think healthy solitude was like the greatest gift I've ever given myself, you know, and that's why it's a chapter in my book, solitude. I loved that chapter in your book. In fact, I played it twice. I'm like, wow, that just, it blew me away. Oh, good. Here you are and you're, you realize that you want to write a book and you're, you, you know, the tools and you realize that you wired your brain. So you wrote the book. So at the time, well, I was working in a treatment center. So I, I went through UCLA, I got my degree in, in addiction counseling. Um, and then I started working at different treatment centers, getting hours. And then, and then I got my hours and then I, I became a counselor at these centers. Like Passages, a huge center in Malibu, I worked at for many years and Clean, which was from Clean Radio. Clean was a center. That's how I met the owners there. And so I, would, I was a counselor doing groups. And so what and, and, and counseling one-on-one, like therapy, one-on-one therapy. But the groups that I was doing were for like at passages for like 20 to 30 people were there, you know, it was a big center. So I wrote up, here's my workbook, but like I wrote up, let's say like a, a piece of paper like this with a handout for these groups that I would do. And the groups were an hour long. So it was like me talking for an hour is a lot, a lot, a lot with 30 people. Right. So I would, I would make a handout on boundaries and I would write out on my computer before I made all these handouts saying, this is what a healthy boundary is. This is how to speak a healthy boundary. This is blah, 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 why you need them and how they help you. And, and then I would hand the sheet out. And I did this every week for a year, two years. And I got 70 groups I compiled in a, in a folder that I thought up of that, you know, other people did groups on like red flags, right? I created my own group based on red flags. And all of a sudden I'm like, and I'm, I was always a reader and a writer. So I was looking, I was reading tons of books at the time. And I was like, there's nothing out there that is other than like 12 step stuff or religious stuff or, you know, and I, and I thought, where the, where's the authenticity piece? Where's this, the solitude and the honesty and, and where, why aren't people talking about communication and self-love and self-care? So I had this book of, of groups and I said, I'm rewriting, I'm writing a book. I'm writing a book. <laughs> And I, I spoke it out loud to a girlfriend of mine. I was in New York City. We were walking around the city. I, I went to visit uh, some friends there. And I said to my friend, I'm going to write a book in the next year. And she said, wow, that's amazing. And like, once I told her, that was it. And I, I wrote an outline first. So based kind of on what I thought was the most important principles that changed my life, I wrote the outline. And then I had some groups done already, you know, um, some information on the group's like on boundaries and communication. And then the book came together and I was just writing it for about a year. And, and all of this started by you writing this for your clients. So it was like put into practical use first. Yes. And you know what's working and you're yes. like, okay, I've got this and I can do this. 
And then, so you started off with boundaries that we just talked about. Um, and then your next uh, module is authenticity. Yeah, yeah. And that's, you know what, there's a lot of us that have been, I'm in this group, I, AES, it's a community and they're all over the world. I counted this morning and there's 22 countries listening to our podcast. That's so that's, and we just started seven months ago. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Awesome. This is a problem all over the world, not just here. People are looking for authenticity. Tell them a little bit about that. Well, so again, back to the, 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 the meaning of the word, you are the author of your own life. You know, so you like really, it, it's like you tapping into what makes you tick, what makes you happy, what, what feels right for you, what feels wrong for you, you know, like, what do you want to do with your life? Where's your voice, you know? And I think a lot of us have been muffled by the way we were raised, by society, by the choices we make, you know, I work trauma. with- Trauma. Oh, please. Yes. Trauma. Of course the trauma, unfortunately, you know, puts people in these roles that, that they don't choose. You know, if you've had trauma happen to you, right. Or, you know, the trauma leads you down dark paths where you create more trauma for yourself and you get into, you know, criminal behavior, DUIs, you know, legal problems. Uh, I mean, believe me, I've, I've heard it all. I've been in, you know, this industry a long time counseling people, but you know, and, and a lot of people from jail have been using my book. Um, I was just written to from a couple inmates in Michigan. People have, thank God, found the, the book is in now a lot of jails where and, and um, probation kind of departments and things like that. So I'm grateful for that because I think there's been so many people that, you know. Let, let me speak to that to you. Yeah, yeah. Because I'm a, I'm a guy that went to, to jail my first time at 12 years old. Wow. I've been... I've been extradited from one state to another three times. Yeah, I've, I've been in jail in six different states. I have four DUIs in four different, and I kind of told you all this. Yeah. I'm like, well, I'm going to tell her this and see if she will but, even like talk to me. And you did. I'm like, whoa, sweetheart, look, <laughs> she's going to like get with me. I was so excited. Uh, so there's so many people like me that, and yeah. we've had, we've never been able to tap in to any traditional stuff out there. And as soon as I started reading your book or listening to it, I was like, holy cow. Why isn't there more awareness about we can manage our own recovery, really, technically? Right, right, right. Exactly. Yeah. My greatest hope would be getting this into more, you know, places, you know, more. Well, you're you're doing that where somebody can go on your website. And I'm going to have all this on SilvertownPodcast.com everyone where you can go on there i'm building a page specifically for you erica thank you work, that's so it's so kind where everybody can they can find your website find like your worksheet for groups where you've got everything lined out where people can go and even have these groups online right it's and a free I, manual it's a free manual for anybody to create a group yeah whether you're in jail whether you are in any community whether you work for a sober living a treatment center whatever yeah and for all of us, like there's there's groups that get together with Zooms from all around the world. They could get together and here's a format for your group right yeah. here. Yeah. So we this week we're going to be talking about this. This week we'll talk about this, this meeting. You know, yeah, it's, it's you know, I think that was very helpful as someone who was a facilitator for so long doing groups. I had to write my own groups, but I always wished, you know, oh, I wish someone had a workbook because it would have made my life easier. So that's why when I wrote my workbooks, I was like, I want people to use this. People like you, Jifter, that are, you know, organizing meetings that are part of meetings. Um, people that, you know, were, when I did my little community call, you were on the call last week. These are a lot of other recovery 
you know, peer counselors and they're doing stuff too with their own community. So I wanted to have not only the stuff that's free on my website, but like the workbooks, all of it, use it all, you know, like use more information, the better. Yeah. You're going to build an army and I just spoken word, right? Of people rewiring their brains. Erica. How cool is that? That would be, yeah. I mean, that is very cool. You're getting, it's getting close where you just got to go. And we've talked about a lot and I think this is good for now. And maybe you'll come back on and we can talk about this stuff more, but let's get you out of here so you can take care of your kids because they're the most important. No worries. No worries. It was my pleasure to be with you. And I'm, I'm grateful, really. I'm grateful for you and I am impressed by you and I'm proud of you. And, you know, you have the courage to do anything you want. You know that. And, you know, right. If we can do this, because I mean, look, I was anti-social media (gasps) and not only that, I'm very private. So for me to even do this and yeah. then, but that's what sobriety does to you. It changes you, gives you gifts and yeah. boom, one day you're rewiring your brain. Yeah. And you know what, you have a, you have an incredible voice. I mean, you, you're, you, you have a presence. I'm telling you, I wouldn't just say that. So keep on doing what you're doing. You're making me blush. <laughs> well, you're going to, you know, you're going to help many people yourself. I mean, that's, that's the whole, that's the beauty I think of this journey um, is that, really, I think people change their lives by, you know, the other that holds their hand. I mean, it's really true. I mean, I think we all need that moment of hearing something that clicks or somebody that we can kind of, you know, learn from for a while, like whatever it is. But I mean, you speaking up and, t- and sharing your story is very powerful. So I mean, other people need to hear it. I agree. Let's get you out of here. And okay. then maybe you'll come back again sometime. So Absolutely. you know that I'm not stealing all your time. No. And- Erica Spiegelman, thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you. Wow. That was Erica Spiegelman. And that was so powerful. And I got so much out of talking with her and listening to her. The self-betrayal I lived with for years. I negotiated with myself constantly. I mean, look at her. She's one of us. She's been through the rehab. She's been through the dark times. She's lived in the trenches. And she came out and she couldn't find a recovery method that worked for her. So she went out, got educated. And then once she started teaching sobriety in in a center, after accumulating all this information over a couple of years, she put it all together, sorted through it, and she built the book Rewired. I have to tell you guys, it's an amazing book. I have it on audio. And I also have the workbook and I just can't say enough about it. Every one of us has the ability to rewire our brains. Now there's, there's a tool out there that can help you. And not only that, she's built another system where you can get her manual for free offline that teach you, teaches you how to um, do groups similar to like AA. It's got a format all laid out. Um, You can have different topics. She's even got a topic list where you can have your own recovery groups online. And look at us. We're doing Zooms with people all around the world. And for those that are struggling in their addiction right now, grab some people. Get a Zoom going. Get the books. The, The manual's free. Here, here's here's how you can all start rewiring your brain together, together. And then you can go out and you can teach other people how to do what you're doing 
And that's where the magic happens when you're giving back. So thank you, Erica Spiegelman. You're just powerful. You're an amazing young woman. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And I just want to mention to everybody, SilvertownPodcast.com, Sobriety Tools that Todd is building. It's amazing. Sober Toolbox. There's You can go in there and build your own toolbox. And it talks about neuroplasticity. Todd talks about neuroplasticity. What wires together, fires together. Then there's sober discussions. With, there's just so much information in there. Then your body on booze. And he just did another uh, blog and he's finishing up the audio, maybe today that we're going to attach to it, where he talks about alcohol and medications. And he goes through the whole, the whole process. Sobertownpodcast.com, sobriety tools. And then to find the resources for Erica Spiegelman, if you go to silvertownpodcast.com and you look under resources, you'll see Erica Spiegelman. Click on there. I've already got a whole list of stuff for you to check out. And then that'll take you to her website too, where you can download that free manual to form groups. Thank you very much, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Sobertown Podcast. Remember, pour the poison down the sink.